Hello, it's Adrian here from Arcade Attack, and on today's podcast, I talk to a rare legend, Dr. David Doak. David has been involved in some of the biggest FPS games in the genre, GoldenEye, Time Splitters, and Perfect Dark. This interview is chock full of great stories, a good number of laughs, and just a brilliant, brilliant interview with a real retro gaming legend. Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Welcome, listeners. It's the latest Arcade Hat podcast here. I've got another amazing guest. I've got Dr. David Doak, a true legend. He was part of my childhood. The amount of hours on GoldenEye, Dave, is ridiculous. Uh, I, I wish I knew how many. Or in a way, I wish I didn't. But thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. Absolutely my pleasure. It's uh, Yeah, it really is an honour talking to you. Uh, before we talk about GoldenEye and Rare and even your gaming career, I'd love to talk to you about your I believe you studied biochemistry is it at Oxford University is that right yeah I'm a I'm a scientist so I did a degree in biochemistry and I stayed on and did a, a postgraduate doctorate in biochemistry and in, in fact I, I used to teach as well really yeah so but yeah I I, I gave it up to run away I, as I said to my mum kind of like running away with the circus so <laughs> I I'd, I'd always played video games um i mean particularly in the 80s with spectrum and stuff my brother and i used to play a lot of things i'd gone off to university um still kind of played a little bit of university but not 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 so much um and then i actually i remember when i was doing my doctorate we used to play a lot of snares um mm. the, the guys i lived with we had a snares and, and, and mario kart particularly was wow. just a, was a staple off the evening, you know, just playing and swearing at it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you can't believe you can't beat the original um, uh, Mario Kart, can you? It's, it's classic. It, it, it's just such a. I mean, because it, it came out of nowhere, you know. I mean, it's it's a game that no one was really expecting it. You know, there wasn't really anything quite like it, and and it's so it's such a deep game. You 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 think you've got good at it, and then you find out what people who are really good at it can accomplish particularly in the time trials and stuff and things <laughs> I, have to, I was going to ask you about your favorite games growing up but i suppose you kind of answered already didn't you so obviously the snares growing up and uh, the spectrum any other uh, great memories a lot of spectrum stuff um you know I mean, that's you know my brother and i hear the i still actually have the the, the spectrum i mean it's it's falling apart now um but um you know we used to go and buy games and go we, we lived in northern ireland we'd go into the town of belfast because you had to go to the shops to get the games and yeah. you know get the cassettes and bring them home and, and and we would sit up all night just playing stuff you know just grinding through it i mean it's it, yeah and on a tiny you know on a tiny little portable telly up in his bedroom. <laughs> oh brilliant um i have to ask actually because you're you're an official doctor aren't you david that's correct isn't it yeah, so I, it's a PhD, so yep. um, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it sounds quite unusual to to move from that career into gaming. I mean, was that always in the back of your mind? Was it? Um, I, I again, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but was it a big decision to change such a career? What, what was the sort of spark, really? Well, I as I said, I always played a lot of games, 
um, when my, my, my doctorate, my research was in protein structure determination. Mm. Um, and, but I didn't, I didn't really do what you would consider lab work. I didn't do what we call wet work. Um, you know, like wandering around with test tubes and stuff and things. I did a lot of modeling of, um, protein structures on, on computers. Yeah. And those computers that I use, well, in, in one case in particular, it was silicon graphics computers, um, which were kind of desktop expensive. You know, I mean, the entry level silicon graphics was about 25,000. Um, so, you know, it was an expensive thing. Um, and we had a few of them and we used them for looking at 3D models because you, you couldn't look at 3D models on PCs because there was no accelerated graphics. This is kind of before 3DFX, before all of that stuff. And um, yeah, so that was a thing that I knew about. Um, and then I was reading Edge one day and there was an advert in Edge where Rare were looking for a silicon graphics system administrator. <laughs> Which, I mean, well, that's incredible. <laughs> because, because silicon graphics, um, so the snares, all of the Donkey Kong renders and Killer Instinct renders on snares were done on silicon graphics machines. And then silicon graphics made the hardware for the N64. So, so Rare in about 1995 was one of the biggest silicon graphics networks in probably in Europe, actually. Um, and they bought all these machines and they needed people to, you know, to code with them. But they also were looking for someone to look after them, yeah. uh, kind of system administrator. And that was part of my responsibilities in, 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 in the Oxford labs where I worked was looking after other people's silicon graphics machines. So inadvertently I acquired <laughs> a skill which was in high demand in the video game sector at that time. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Transferable skills. I mean that is quite interesting. I never kind of saw the two industries joining together, but that's a great little story. Thank you. Yeah, you know, yeah, so I applied for the job and went along thinking, you know what, they they're not gonna want me because I'm a science person and yeah, you know, obviously after I got the job, I got to know Martin Hollis, who was one of the people who had interviewed me. And Martin was saying, "Well, you know, it was it was a no-brainer because you came along and you you know you had a you know a good academic background and you knew your games and also you knew how to look after the machines." So, I mean, what did your co-workers at the time think when you're saying I'm going to go into this whole new career? Was that were they shocked or your your family, for example? I think my mum was a bit shocked because I'd kind of spent 10 years training to do one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and was kind of, you know, was was in the position to go on to, you know, I mean, if I hadn't done that, I'd probably be, uh, I don't know, I'd probably be an Oxford Don or something, now teaching at college or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, I don't regret it for a moment. And and you know, in 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 recent years, I've actually got to go back and do some science again. So it's you know, I don't I don't I didn't lose out. Brilliant. Well, I know that a lot of people listening are thankful <laughs> that you decided <laughs> to change grid because well, let, let's talk about rare because um, at the time when you joined them, well, they were really well respected. They they were they had Donkey Kong and and so forth. And uh, but I think. Well, what was the first game, and how? What was it? What was the first game you worked on at Rare? What was it? What were the early days like when you first joined well, that company? Well, so I mean, I, I officially at Rare, I really only worked on two things, which were GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. Um, however, when I was when I joined for the first kind of, I think it was probably about six months, maybe less, four months, whatever. When I was just doing 
looking after machine system administration. Mm. Um, my my office, although offices are kind of like not really the right description because because rare at that time was in Manor Farmhouse in Twycross. So it was all centered around there was a farmhouse building and some barns which had been converted, um, which were the, where the dev dev work was done. Mm. Um, now I was in the main barn up in, the, in, in which what was a converted attic, which is where testing was. So yeah. I was, you know, I had my machine and a few of the guys, Hugh Ward, who was in charge of testing, Gary Richards, they were all sitting around me testing. So when I wasn't busy, I used to help out, um, you know, just pick up a controller and, and you know, you always need extra hands. So I, I think I've got some strange credits on like um, – <laughs> Donkey Kong Country <laughs> 3, the Diddy one, or the Dixie Dixie and Diddy Kong. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ken, Ken Griffey's winning run baseball, played that a bit. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, so, and, yeah, you know, and, and I think I've got a few credits which are kind of, you know, like, you know, system support and stuff and things. But, you know, I, I wasn't directly involved in making the games. Mm. Um and, and it was a strange situation because Rare was very much all of the teams were in their own little barns and nobody got to see each other's stuff. But because I was the guy who went around to fix your machine, I got to go everywhere. So even nice. though I just started the company, my key opened, literally it was a key. They had these very high security keys. My key opened all doors. So I got to know a lot of the, I mean, the company, I think at the time was about 80 people, I suppose. Mm. But I kind of got to know a lot of people very quickly. Um, and got to know a lot about what people were doing uh, um, in, in a way that many people who worked there didn't. So they, they hadn't. And, and it was strange because I'd been there for a little while and I started, I think the thing was it, at the beginning, it was great fun. Yeah. And then I started to think, well, actually it's really weird because and as i i i i, I, I described this to other people in the same way it was like being the guy in willy wonka's chocolate factory who went around and kind of changed the plugs yeah you know you know, so you, you got to see everything but you weren't involved in it you were kind of like you know some mm. kind of person and I was going to leave. I, 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 it, it was, it was kind of bit. It was a big change going from, you know, working in a university town and having a lot of things to do outside of work and stuff. To where I was quite interested. And I, I, I was going to leave. Um, mm-hmm. And then Owen Farmer, who was kind of production director at Rare. Um, a, guy, a guy whose name a lot of people don't know, but he was a very key person at Rare. He and Martin said, well, you know, don't leave. Um, why don't you get involved in one of the teams? And, and, and Martin wanted me to get involved in the Bond team. Brilliant. That's amazing. I mean, where would your life be right now, do you think? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you'd be very successful, but it, maybe not in the gaming industry. Is that, is that a fair statement, do you think? Well, when I was going to leave, I was going to go and go to New Zealand. I had some friends who had who'd gone to New Zealand and um, they said well why don't you come to New Zealand and do some academic stuff here <laughs> there you go <laughs> so, all right so you, your first proper game you got your teeth into was GoldenEye when you joined 
how far had the the game came along? Was it in the early days? And I have to ask, actually, David, was it a rail shooter when you first joined? Because there's rumours it was a rail shooter before it turned into sort of a traditional FPS game. Yes, yeah, so the original design for Goldmine that Martin and the team had done was basically it was going to be like Virtual Cop. Yeah. Um, so it was 3D. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of strange looking back on it because obviously there was no light gun. I mean, there was the analog stick was going to be a thing for moving a target around. Um, and and they built it around that. So the camera was on a, you know, a spline that floated through the level and, and you shot at things. Guards jumped out and whatever. Um, and I guess that they had they were just about changing their mind about that. I mean, as, as Martin, I think, I think Martin, I think said in one of his interviews about it was, it's like, you know, we, we, we'd spent a lot of time getting to that point because it's, it's weird. Nowadays, you know, people can pick up Unity or Unreal and in half an hour, you can have some framework for a game. Mm. Um, in those days, particularly the 3D stuff, it was, you know, people spent months getting to a point where they could actually draw something on the screen. So, you know, they put a lot of work into tools and rendering and all of that kind of stuff and animation system, you know, linking all characters for a new thing at that time. And they had it all working. And Martin's, I think Martin's quote about it was, it's just, it just wasn't fun. You know, it yeah. was, it was, it was, it, you know, it worked and it delivered visually, but it wasn't fun to play. And the team, I think the team were playing a lot of Doom. Uh, Doom was a big thing. Quake was coming. FPSs were, you know, were, were, were taking off. Um, and, it, and it wasn't really a lot of work to decouple it from being a scripted spline to being a, an FPS game. Mm. So that's, so that, that, that has happened before I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's funny, I've got a fairly clear memory of seeing GoldenEye um, and just being blown away by it was it was all sitting running, you know, people would yep. do that, but it'd be running. But the thing that it was the hand on the PPK and just having that little bit of sway about it and the hand model was clearly a detailed hand model and because it, it had that kind of the, the silicon graphics, Nintendo 64, um, all the anti-aliasing, so it was soft looking. Yeah. And it felt very, you could just, I mean, just, it just looked different to the kind of pixelated kind of robotic FPSs that you were seeing on PCs at the time. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where it was when I, when I joined the team. It, you know, levels had been built. There was some stuff with the kind of scripted splines, but there was no real structure to levels or starting to work with the AI and what we call the level setup and stuff and things. And that's, and that's what I got involved with. Brilliant. I mean, so, I mean, I have to ask actually, I mean, what, what, what exactly did you get involved in then? Did you um, create the stories, the AI and things like that and just get the finished product or? So I, I did some programming. Um, although I'm not really a programmer. Mm. Um, and the, at, at the time, there was only, when I joined the team, there was only Martin and Mark Edmonds doing programming, who both, both, you know, 
10,000 times better programmers than I'll ever be. Um, but they, I, they <laughs> the first thing I did was to make the font for the watch. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I love that, one, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so the, the watch was my thing. I, I, I spent ages on the watch. Um, <laughs> And kind of, it was useful because I learned how to code a bit and I learned how to not break things. Um, so, and, and then after that, I moved into doing what, what we called setup um, at, at the time, but I guess it's really level design. I mean, the, the levels were, the, the, I think about Goldeneye is it was all done a bit back to front. So, you know, like Carl and AD and Brett would be and Duncan would build levels, and then we would construct the gameplay around what had been built. So you would, you know, you would get the level up, and you would, yeah, you might have some vague ideas, mm. but you'd kind of run around in it and think, oh well, maybe that's a good place for it to start, and we'll head in this direction. So, and I, and I think that served the final design of the game actually very well because massively stepped away from being completely linear yeah um you know there were two things i think that really led to that one is because the the level setup and design came after the level geometry and then another thing was that the stuff with the objectives when we were setting it up every level would have whatever it was like five objectives Mm. and then we we stripped back to less objectives for the easier difficulties so that kind of when people look Ah. at it go oh it's amazing it's amazing how you start off with you know just a little bit of stuff and then it all opens up and you have these other missions and stuff and things yeah it was actually it was actually done the other way around that we 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 had a goal that we would have a certain amount of things to do and then we picked some of them out to strip it down um so yeah, and, and and that's one of the things people really remember about the single player game. It's like you, yeah. play through, you play it through an agent, and then yeah, but that's not the real thing. And then there's this, and then it gets more difficult and all that kind of thing. So yeah, oh, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. I have to ask you, David. I mean, you obviously at the time you had quite little experience in the gaming industry. I've read somewhere that a lot of the team working on Goldeneye also had quite little experience in the gaming industry. It's quite quite a new job for a lot of team members. Is that a fair statement? And in a yeah. weird way, was that an advantage for the team? Yeah, so it's... It, the, one of the things was if, if you... The, the skill profile of the people who were at Rare was largely around making um, 2D games before that so you know all the SNES stuff was 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 2D, and then and then the 3D rendering became part of it with Killer and and, and, and Donkey Kong. But in order to do the coding for the 3D stuff, there was a kind of a, a step change in, in in the kind of software people were writing. So Rare had actively gone and recruited people from university, which wasn't something they were doing before. Um, yep. So that's where Martin came from. I mean, Martin, Martin and Mark both came from, they, they, they're both Cambridge graduates. Um, Brett and Carl were from Bournemouth, I think, where they'd done like 3D modeling stuff. So we were all actually, even though Rare had been going for quite a long time before we got there, we weren't, we, we were kind of came in mid mid 
mid-age almost mm. because a lot of us were in our, our, our 20s and I was, I was in our late 20s at the time, I guess. Um, and we all, we all were gamers, um, but we would not worked in the gaming industry. I mean, Martin, I think Martin did, Martin worked on Killer Instinct before, before mm. Goldmine, but nobody else on the team were, had a published game. And, and I think you're quite right. It, it, it did, it was a helpful thing in the end, because even though we didn't have, because, because actually Rare had no experience of making 3D games yeah. at that point. Um, so it wasn't like there was a big body of experience to, to, to draw on, but we, we were actually very ambitious about what we were trying to make. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we probably tackled problems that we wouldn't have tackled otherwise. I, yeah, when I played it, I thought that it was a game that was uh, original. It had new ideas. It seemed to almost sort of redefine the genre a little bit and just try new things. And and maybe I'm not again. You can if if you had someone in, in your team who had made FPS before and oh, this is how things are done. It could have maybe gone in a different direction. Yeah, I, you know, we uh, and we we also had that thing that we really wanted to cram in as much stuff from the movie and yeah. to be as faithful as we possibly could to the whole bond thing um so you know i, I think that's also you know if, if you'd sat down and just said well let's just make a you know an fps which has got no actual backstory to it or nothing else that you're trying to mm. um, reference then it, it may have gone a different way you know for instance a really good example is in I mean, for me, all of the all of the stuff in the single player game involving characters which are not just guards shooting at Bond was an absolute nightmare to get working. So, you know, like for your gas plant, you know, that yeah. that, that scene at the end of the gas plant with Trevelyan and Urimov comes in and all the guys oh, yes. line up and you're kind of there in a live cutscene. And you can break out of it at any time by starting shooting. And there are there are a number of instances in the game which are like that. And they're just you know from a point of view, from a design point of view, they they were just bonkers things to be attempting because <laughs> in order to get those to work, we just constantly had to add features. And and Mark Edmonds was brilliant at that. I mean, Mark Mark was Mark wrote virtually all of the gameplay code in Goldeneye. And, you know, I'd be there going, well, Mark, you know, it's like I kind of I need to be able to tell the Urimov character to come in and I can't he, he, might, he needs to be invulnerable until he gets here. And then he's got to point his gun. It'd be really good if he looked like he shot Trevelyan in the face and all this. And there, there was nothing there to direct the characters to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and Mark would go away and make tools that I could then use to make that work. And, and, and we just we. We, we riffed on that and iterated all through the game. Um, and, you know, a, lo- a lot of that stuff, you look back on it now and maybe people go, well, you know, it's not really that interesting. But, you know, it was, it was the beginnings of having interesting non-combat AI in first-person games, I think. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we, but we wouldn't have attempted it if we weren't trying to tell the story. No, brilliant. Oh, I think that's an excellent example. Um, I'm sure you know, David, that most video games based on movies aren't particularly well received. 
they they always seem a little bit rushed. Uh, they never always match up with the you know the storyline, the films. I mean, it, it, Goldeneye is obviously the big exception. But did you know from day one that this was going to be something quite special? And do you actually think maybe the the Double O Seven license helped it sort of get that sort of initial sort of reaction? Or in a way, do you think it could have been just as big without it? I think I think I mean I mentioned before that. A lot of us really liked Bond films, mm. um, you know, and yeah, for me, Sean Connery was Bond. I think for Mark and Mark, I remember Mark was Roger Moore was Bond and Carl Roger Moore was Bond. So we, you know, we, we'd grown up with the films, so we had a lot of respect for mm. the whole Bond thing. And I think also that kind of, you know, we, we got the humour off it as well. Um, and then I think... At the time, the idea that a movie license would be in any way interesting was just, you know, nobody thought that. It was, it's it's cheap. Movie licenses are just cheap cash-ins. It's a thing that, you know, buys you a little bit of marketing, buys you a little bit of attention, but really it's not important. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think probably when the game came out, it wasn't important. Um, but it was as as it grew, it probably helped the audience for the game to grow because Bond was. I mean, you know, Bond was was still. It's it's still got some kind of coolness about it. Oh yeah, it. of course, yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think it's never. I mean, I think particularly it's funny. I, was, I kind of went down a rabbit hole the other night on Twitter because someone had posted some audio stuff, and you know, you can't. That's, a, that's another thing about Goldeneye, which I, at the time I didn't really realise how talented the audio guys were. So Grant, Kirkhope and Graham Norgate absolutely knocked it out of the park with the with with with, with the tunes in the game. Yeah. And 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 I think and in a way they've aged better than the rest of the game. I mean, it's just you know you hear the kind of facility music or the dam, and you just you know all the memories kick in. Um, and that's another thing, yeah, you because know, that that kind of you know the the repertoire of Bond film scores and stuff that they were allowed to draw on. You know, they yeah. could they could go very close to doing stuff without there being any fear of it being, you know, vetoed. Um, so, you know, and, and they were allowed to use that Monty Norman theme, you know, the, the four the four chord thing, which is, you know, yeah. which is Bond. Of course, yeah. Um, and they got to riff on it with this, you know, and do a little bit, you know, it, it, it was a bit more modern and it was also, there was some great audio programming in Goldeneye, a guy called Graham Smith, who basically did all of the sound engine across Rare at the time. And, um, you know, it was a a step up. And I think one of the things that makes it memorable is Bond. You know, if I play Goldeneye, I want to have the music cranked up to the max. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) The music's great. And and I don't think the N64 got enough credit for its music obviously it wasn't a cd machine but it did produce some great music and i think goldeneye was yeah a great example of that yeah brilliant um how about i've got to ask there was any interesting features or game ideas that you or your team ever thought about or but just never made it into the game i think there's a there's a there's some code really deep in the game that where where you can 
there's there was plans at least to access all the all the bond uh, all the bond characters from the past is that true and anything else interesting you can reveal yeah i think i think the big the biggest thing that got cut which was a bit of a shame was the it it, it had brosnan and connery and yeah. um roger moore um and timothy dalton i think um uh, so Brett had made models for all of them, and you could play as as, as them, and that got cut quite late. Oh. Um, we 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 because it, it it was a very strange license because the, the you know as far as the team I mean again it shows you that the licensing part of Eon Dan Jack MGM didn't really care about the games at the time. You know we were allowed to use anything from the Bond mythology. So yeah. any any characters that's why you know that's why Mayday's in there and Odd Job and all that stuff. Um, yeah, we just picked the things we wanted, and obviously the thing we wanted was all the bonds. So we picked the four bond, the well, the three other bonds that we thought were most representative at that time. Yeah. Um, and late in the day, we had I think it was MGM came and basically saying, well, no, that's going to cause problems. I, I, I think I think they weren't. It wasn't that they thought it was a bad idea. It was that it was going to cost them money. Yeah. Because I think the the story I heard was that they were kind of saying, well, if Connery finds out, Connery will want money. And if the others find out that Connery's getting money, then they'll want money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So so they could t- take it out. Feature-wise, there weren't many things that we didn't at least have a stab at. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some things like on the on the dam level. There's some geometry on the other side of the lake where yes. there was an idea that maybe you could go over there with a boat. Um, we had some things where we wanted to try having you driving stuff. You know, like the you know, it, you know, the the game's got that thing in again on the dam level. There's that vi- that truck that drives through. So I think Mark had worked on some vague stuff about maybe you could drive a truck, um, but it just, it, you know, it was, it, it had, it, it would have caused more problems than it, it would have solved. Um, but, you know, pretty much everything that people thought of, we at least had a stab at. Yeah. And if we cut things, it was because we didn't think it was working, you know, so there's, there's, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a very feature-rich game. Oh, 100 percent, yeah. Um, did you ever get the chance to meet Pierce Brosnan by any chance? And uh, I think you've already answered, but was where do you rank him in your sort of favourite Bonds? Yeah, never met him. Um, he doesn't <laughs> doesn't talk to scum like me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we did. I mean, I, I the the original the original team before I joined got to go to the the, the set of Goldeneye. Um, nice. for, for seeing some film, you know, like set reference and stuff and things. And after Goldeneye, we did all, I think all of us or most of us went to Leveston or Leveston, whatever it's called, when they were filming Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm. Um, and Brosnan was there that day. And also, I've forgotten her name, the, um, the Oriental martial arts person. Oh, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, I think they were both there that day because they were filming the kind of—is it Shanghai? There's some kind of shanty town kind of yep. thing. Um, and we were there on the set, but you know, staying out of the way. <laughs> 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 but, 
Um, and yeah, so Conner- Connery is my favourite Bond by yeah. a long distance because you know for me it was Thunderball and me particularly Gold Goldfinger. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just you know that when yeah. It seems like a million years ago, but when I was growing up, you know, it was that thing where you you watched to see if the films came round, whether it's Christmas or Easter or whatever, and you got to watch them on on the BBC or ITV. Yeah. And you know, if a Bond if a Bond film, there was always a Bond film. <laughs> Yo, oh, oh, there is, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And you know, and I I had my little corgi ass Martin DB5 with the little <laughs> ejector seat and the rotating number plates and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, but, but I thought I mean, I, I, I saw a thing the other day. We gold, I think Goldeneye was was a good film. I, mean, I think it oh, was yeah. a, a return to form for the whole. And and Brosnan was a very worthy. I mean, he kind of he kind of had elements of of, of both. I mean, you, you never. I think Moore was always going to be the funniest. I mean, he he was the best at the double entendres and stuff. Oh yes, <laughs> you can't you can't beat a lot of that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, Brosnan's up there for me certainly. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think you know he's in my top top three Bonds. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I don't know if you've seen it actually. There's a really good YouTube clip uh, where Pierce Brosnan is on a talk show in America. I can't remember who the host is. Jimmy Fallon or something. Yeah, the play. They, yeah. they get him to play the game. Have you seen that? It's yeah. brilliant, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> I wonder if Pierce has played the game before. I don't know if you know that at all. Or was he a fan of the game at all? I, I think judging by that, he, he can't play the game, and judging by Mamma Mia, he can't sing. He can't sing, yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, bless. Um, <laughs> sorry, Pierce Brosnan, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> right, I, I, I'd love to get your opinion on this because this is a bit of a controversial view, maybe, but. I when I think of the N64, um, and I'm a massive fan of it. I, I it was one of the first consoles. I, uh, you know, I bought my own money to be fair, and I don't. It didn't jump out at me as like an FPS console. It kind of felt that N- Nintendo was more sort of a family machine or slightly younger generation. Whereas maybe GoldenEye, just for the sort of the look of it and the feel of it, might have felt felt more at home on the PlayStation. I mean, what do you think about that? Was there any? Any chance it could ever got on that console? I know that Rare and Nintendo worked very closely at the time. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was a rare game out and out, so it was it was always going to be on Nintendo. I think I think you're right though, because you know, PlayStation One, that whole kind of Designers Republic wipeout club scene stuff that um, Sony were pushing, it was you know, it it was it was pitched at an older audience. Mm. Um, and I think the expectation was, you know, Nintendo Nintendo consoles were Nintendo consoles, so mm. they were good, clean family fun. Um, I know when we were making Goldeneye, when we went, I think one of the times we went to E3, and we met with um, Howard Lincoln, uh, who was the president of Nintendo America at the time, um, and I think it was, it was it, I remember someone saying that Goldeneye was one of the only games that he actually played i mean he was you know he was he was he was a passionate supporter of nintendo and the products and stuff but he wasn't really a gamer um i think he, i think he'd done military service at some point so it was like this idea that there was a game a nintendo game which was a shooter yep. was of interest to him but i mean it is remarkable looking back on that era 
off Rare and Nintendo because yeah, with the, with the Nintendo 64, I mean, you know, like, you know, I guess Killer Killer Instinct, but you know, GoldenEye was clearly a mature game. Oh yeah. And then you know, and then at the back end of Rare on the N64, you had Conquer, which is I, I you know, I, I <laughs> good game. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I, Conquer is amazing. I'm still in touch with a lot of the guys who worked on it, and yeah. I don't. It's inexplicable how that game got to be made. But yeah. It's wonderful. It's it's absolutely wonderful that it did. It's 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 a thing of of absolute awe and majesty. But the idea that Nintendo had that game on the N64 is just insane. Yeah. I love it because if you just looked at the play, just looked at like five minutes of play, it just looks like a nice cuddly platformer. It's a good platformer, but yeah. <laughs> some of the yeah. Scare- <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Um, that no, brilliant, brilliant. How I've got to say now, that Perfect Dark. I mean, some people view that as the best uh, shooter on, on on the console. Um, it was a spiritual successor, I believe, to GoldenEye. Yep. How did that? I mean, why did you move in that direction? Was there never a chance to make another James Bond game, or was it always kind of in the background that you wanted to move in your own sort of direction? So, the the, the team by the time Goldeneye came out, we were kind of bonded up to our back teeth. You know, we, we yeah. just you know we spent a long time at it, um, and yeah, we we all liked other stuff. So one of the things about GoldenEye is, yeah, it's obviously because of the setting of the film, it is tied to a very particular time period and it's realistic and it's all military and it's grey and that's, that you know, that, that's what it is. Um, so, you know, we all liked sci-fi. Um, we, I, I, I can't remember the actual process whereby the decision was made but i think we pretty much democratically you know martin had come and said to the team you know do we want to do the next bond game and we didn't <laughs> fair enough <laughs> uh, you know and 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 then you know again looking back on it i mean it was amazing that we were given permission to just go and make up our own thing which is what happened, you know. It was like, okay, well, if you don't want to do that, what do you want to do? You know, we 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 liked the idea of making something which was a sequel, certainly in terms of being a shooter. Yeah. And we got and we got to we got to make up make up the Joanna Dark universe, um, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I mean, I. What was the big difference then? What, what was your exact role on Perfect Dark? How did you want it to be a bit different from GoldenEye? Because it's a great game, I have to say. Well, so I, you know, ultimately I left Rare uh, at the end of '98. So GoldenEye came out of August '97. So, you know, probably I had 18 months working in Perfect Dark because we were, we were we were already we were already thinking about it when the game was before the game was released because there's the there's the you know there's there's a lead time to release and there's bug fixing and stuff but you're not really making the game you're you're just reacting to you know things that need to be fixed before it goes out um and we kind of sat down and things that were really 
big influences were we always loved um i think i think martin had in the office i was in with martin we had a fan nikita poster up on the wall so nice. the idea of some kind of female you know and and all that kind of you know eric sarah stuff and and heat we were actually when i was talking about heat on twitter the, the, the music <laughs> the music from heat was yeah. a big thing as yeah, well it's a great film, that yeah. soundtrack you know but, the, but particularly that soundtrack i mean it is just insanely good um john woo sci-fi um we I, I can't remember where it came from but we kind of collectively had this thing of saying you know what we'd like to have a female character and i remember that was like no guys that's you know not you know, well, you know no that's a bad idea it's not marketable so no well you know you know because because again it was that kind of perception that the game playing audience were these kind of heavy metal <laughs> in locked in their bedroom teenage yeah. <laughs> males who wouldn't want to embody themselves in a female avatar um and and i i mean that's one of the things i read looking back i'm really i think that was a really significant thing we did there because yes um joanna dark is not a sexualized character it's just she's you know she's just doing her job um and yeah i think you know lara obviously had been a big thing in opening up the idea that you might have female protagonists but i think you know we, we we did something interesting there um and there's a there's a I don't know you know read sci-fi but there's there's a Robert Heinlein novel called um, Friday which is about a female assassin character as well and I kind of like so there's there's a, there's a there are some things in Perfect Dark which are a bit like that the idea that she's got this mentor um, the Carrington character and stuff and things and I think you know it was we all we all riffed on it and we all threw ideas in I think. I think it's fair to say I was one of the people who was like collating and filtering ideas and trying to, you know, yeah. It, um, but it was, you know, and we, we wanted to have some aliens and then it was just like, well, let's have a checklist of environments that we'd like to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the data dine tower was Carl kind of going, well, you know, wouldn't it be nice to do something which is much more open than these kind of corridor based underground things we've been doing, you know, let's challenge ourselves. And, you know, it references Blade Runner and all kinds of stuff. So it's, you know, it, 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 it's amazing looking back on it because I know today if you were trying to make a triple A game and you had it was like, well, actually, you know what? The team of the team of eight people or 10 people who are making the game get to write the story. That yeah. just doesn't happen. Of course. Of course. It wouldn't, <laughs> would it? No, it wouldn't. No. You'd have yeah. to go and get all kinds of. <laughs> hundreds of hundreds of people to come in and be specialists about this that and the other and you'd have meetings with the stakeholders and you'd have gating <laughs> meetings and you'd be fucking around and you'd spend <laughs> thousands and thousands of pounds and dollars and you'd get nowhere whereas we just sat down and did it <laughs> yeah yeah no good on you <laughs> but it's um, a shame i mean it's such a, it's such a shame I, I mean that's the thing that that gets me um you know Again, Conk is another good example. 
you know, yeah, games that wouldn't really yeah. exist today. Yeah. No, and 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 just you know, a thing where actually, you know, what the people who are doing the technical stuff and the coding and the design and that they actually they have expertise outside of that as well. They are people who have you know you know they're, they're not just little siloed people who can only do one thing. Anyway, sorry, I, I won't rant anymore. About no, 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 it's good. Well, it does sound like you brought a lot of different skills and different ideas. Whereas I think nowadays, you know, I, I, I'm not going to name the person, but I spoke to someone recently who just done like the texture background in a video game. It's just a very specific role, and that's that's that yeah. worst role, yeah. Yeah, and 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 we were, you know, that was that looking back on that period in time, were basically an indie team making a AAA product which was Good. brilliant fun. I bet it was. Um, I have to ask, actually, because Time Splitters, you were involved in that as well. Is that right, David? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Massive game, massive series, hugely respected. Um, I'd like to ask, actually, why did you sort of move into that area and maybe not continue the Perfect Dark series? Well, so, at Rare, apart from, you know, you, GoldenEye was a massive thing for Rare. You know, yeah. it, 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 it it kind of redefined what Rare was capable. I mean, Rare obviously had its own pedigree of the stuff that had gone before. But, you know, I think I think Gold and I, you know, if you if you I mean, I think I think Rare's just got this. They've just got this MCV kind of 30 years kind of, you know, studio of amazing depth and success. Yeah. But, you know, if you ask what Rare was famous for, GoldenEye is always something that's at the very top of the list, if not at the top. And after we made the game, referencing what I said to you earlier, um, you know, a lot of us had come from academic postgraduate backgrounds. We all, you know, we all had ambition. Mm. And, And we could see that we had just, made you know we, we 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 laid the golden egg as it were so we were all going to management around saying okay so you know how do our careers progress from here yeah yeah <laughs> and rare management were basically saying well you know this is a family company and this is how it works and you know just make another game so that's that that was the beginning of of the division that led to I mean, Martin Hollis left, I left, Carl, Steve left, you know, we, we, a lot of us left. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, you know, we, we it, it was because we were saying, I don't, you know, I think individually and the group we were saying, we don't just want to do another thing and be the people who make things because the decision-making and the internal management that we've been doing with our team and how we've helped other teams in the company um, deserves more recognition. And it it wasn't, it wasn't just financial stuff, but there was a financial element to it, but it was also, you know, you know, how, how, you know, how can we, is there a structure whereby we end up in, 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 in roles where we're directing what the company does or making some contribution to that. Um, And, you know, it was it was a. I think ultimately it was a clash of mindsets. You know, um, I mean, I've I've got as as years have gone on, my respect for Tim and Chris has grown considerably. 
um, because I, looking back on it, I can see that they actually did insulate the teams from a lot of, you know, a lot of friction and unpleasantness that would have made their jobs harder. So, like, you know, when I when I say to you, you know, we, we, we had the privilege of being an, a small indie team working sure, yeah. on a AAA project. That was, we were in this little bubble where people didn't come and mess us about. And that little bubble yeah. existed because of the umbrella of Rare and Tim and Chris and Joel Hopberg, who was in the States and stuff and things. So, you know, there's a lot of it was good. Anyway, however, you know, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. I mean, I think we were also a part of it was that everyone was a little bit fatigued with the burnout stuff. We we we, yeah. we were crazy, you know. Although it was probably a, a year and a half later I left, um, I wasn't looking forward to going through the burnout crunch stage that we went through GoldenEye for the same reward. Yeah, I understand. You know, yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. You know, so setting up Free Radical, leaving and setting up Free Radical with Steve and Carl and Graham and Lee, that was... Yeah, if it's our own thing, you know what? We'll we'll take the fire, take 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 take, take the flamethrower to the candle again and see see where we go, you know. But because this time, if we succeed, then we will we we you know we can judge what our reward is for it. Sure. No, I think that's yeah. It must have been quite a scary time, but also exciting time, right? <laughs> it, it was very peculiar. I mean, because when 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 I was at Rare. We used to spend all of our time there. I mean, literally all yeah. of your time there. Like, you know, you would get up in the morning and go to work and you would, on a, on a slow day, you would go home about nine o'clock. <laughs> you know, that was, that was, that was uh, the average working day involved being there for about 12 hours. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and also it was mostly the case that you went in at the weekend as well. Um, yeah, yeah it, that's it's, hard work. It is hard work. I mean, it's I I don't really know what the correct answer to the whole crunch thing is because part of it is that people who are creative and they're working in teams and they're getting stuff done actually really enjoy stepping up and doing more. And it, and and it's a it's 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 a, it's a really strange thing because although it's harmful yeah it's addictive and you know i think at rare it was that that was a lot of what we did i mean it was just it was just the addiction of being creative in the team and getting a lot done and you know there was there was there was pressure to do it as well i mean it's there was Mm. you know they they obsessively counted people's hours and stuff and things um oh really yeah but I mean, it's it, it's hard. I, I I don't know what the right answer is because I I think now, sorry, I'm I'm going off topic on the question, but I think I think now it's kind of gone the other way. You know, everyone's so precious and worried about doing anything harmful to their time <laughs> that and, you know, and, and and a lot of creative stuff, people, you know, they they step away from it so much that they 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 don't get the 
you know, they, they, they don't have the buzz. Mm. Um, it, it, I, I don't know what the right answer is because I don't want to do what I did then because it was it was stupid amounts of work. And, and we did the same thing at Free Radical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. Um, but this, I don't know. I mean, it, it is almost like a drug. I mean, it, 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 it's, you know, when you, when you have a, a team of people and you get the synergies of everyone firing together and, and, and making something. I mean, it's just amazing. You just, you know, you watch something just getting better and better before your eyes. And you almost don't want to be there because particularly if it's a small team, you know that if you take your effort away, then that will slow the team down. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a tricky, tricky question. I guess when you see the success of, of the games you produced, they weren't just mediocre games. These were games that sort of arguably changed the genre. Was that the, the sort of fire that kept it going for a bit, do you think? Like the seeing GoldenEye break records, being one of the best sellers on a console, it must have been quite amazing, right? It was... At the time, the things that were really special about it were just going and seeing it in the shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you kind of you go into a shop and you're there just kind of going, that's my thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you've kind of, it's almost like you've reached through the mirror to the other side. You know. You, <laughs> um, so that was great. I mean, it's, it's interesting. As I got older, um, the, the most amazing thing about GoldenEye is having people come and tell me how much they enjoyed it and how much it meant to them when they were younger. Yeah. And, and, and particularly, you know, I mean, multiplayer in GoldenEye, you know, you can't, you've got to say that Steve, Steve Ellis and Duncan, and Duncan Botwood, I mean, they really, they kind of split off into a mini team mm. to make the multiplayer. Um, I think without the multiplayer, we probably wouldn't be talking about it today. Possibly, I, yeah. I think, you know, I think it would have it would have been an important game. It wouldn't have had the legs that it mm. had. Um, and yeah, that's yeah. In terms of personal fulfillment from stuff, you know, obviously, you know, there was excitement at the time, and we made a bit of money out of it. But the best thing is just people coming up and saying, "Oh, wow, you you worked at Goldeneye." that was the thing that I played with my brother or my dad or whatever, you know, and, and you know, like you just said, I mean, you said the same thing. I've, I've lost countless hours to it, but, but they <laughs> yeah. were, but they were, but, but it was fun. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's that. So, you know, something that, something that we who worked on the game did went out into the world and made a lot of people happy. So I mean, that's, that's the best thing about it. Good. Um, really briefly on time splitters, David. Just going to ask mm-hmm. you about that. What again? Why? Why did you move in that sort of direction? It's still an FPS game, but it went in a sort of slot, a bit of a different direction than the previous two games. What was your exact role, and how do you reflect back on that particular title? Okay, so time splitters was just us. Yeah, again, in the same way that Perfect Dark was us going, oh, let's not make another 1980s military Russian shooter. Let's make some sci-fi. Time Splitters was, oh, you know what, let's just make every genre. So yeah. Time Splitters was, you know, it was make a good multiplayer shooter on PlayStation 2 and let's do military. I think our two, I think our three, our three touchstones on the first one were crime, sci-fi and horror. Yeah. 
and then you do the different so there's i think there's like nine missions and they are sci three sci-fi three crime three horror and just spread across time so it was it was variety it was it was all about variety mm. uh and then the other thing about time splitters which steve and i particularly were really really keen on was the map maker and making a tool making a tool for people to make their own stuff you know that was what yeah, we wanted yeah. we, we you know we wanted to make it, it i guess in the same way that you're making you know a game's a toy we wanted our toy to be lego so that was a big, a big thing. Okay, no, brilliant. Um, what's your views on the new Time Splitter game that's coming out? Are you involved in that at all? The one that's, that's in development? So I think so. Steve is working with, well, there's two things. There's, there's Rewind, which is a mm. fan project. And then I think Steve is now at, um, he's involved with Deep Silver uh, and THQ. So yeah, they're, they're trying to do something with it because the the the, the IP ended up you know, when when Free Radical went under, the IP ended up getting owned by Crytek, who I don't know, not very fond of Crytek, but they you know they sat on it, yeah. um, and um, you know THQ Nordic, Embracer, as they now are, you know they 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 picked up a whole bunch of IPs. They've got like Shenmue and. Darksiders, um, yeah, you know, times so, yeah, you know, it would be really interesting to see what, what, what happens with that. I mean, it, I think time split is, I mean, it's funny, we just before we were started the interview, I was saying I, I was just messing around playing Fortnite. Um, you know, Fortnite to me looks like. You know, a lot of a lot of the stuff in Fortnite is is time splitters, mm. um, and you know, in, in in the same way that you know, Overwatch as well. I think a lot of that is is wouldn't have happened because time splitters. I mean, we we had a really we had such a strange thing with Free Radical where you know after Future Perfect, um, the, the third time splitters game. You know, we we'd had rocky relationships with a lot of publishers, which I think was really because you know we 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 were demanding people to work with because we were demanding in terms of we wanted to be rewarded properly for what we were doing and for the games to be properly marketed and delivered um and we had this thing with people saying well you know oh, nobody knows how to sell times but it's because it's a whole bunch of random stuff it's not <laughs> you know it's it's cartoony it's a bit silly it's not what people want and and then, you know, a couple of years later, Team Fortress comes out. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're kind of watching it from the sidelines going, yeah, what what we said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was quite an unusual game, wasn't it? It took, it did take things in, especially FPS games. They're usually quite serious, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, you, you've kind of, well, you saw the future. <laughs> yeah, it, did, it didn't care what it was. I mean, it, it, mm. well, why, why would you? I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's it's funny because it was kind of ahead of that idea that people actually like to have people like to choose how they portrayed themselves in the game. They like to choose their yeah. avatar. They like to choose what they did. So there's a lot of variety in the way you play the game, and they and they like to create user generated. I mean, the the map maker, the amount of flack we got from every publisher we work with and from the first parties as well you know oh really? why are you why are you making a thing why are you making this you know and it's like well okay so 
look at dreams that just came out the other week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I have to ask, actually, um, did you ever work, uh, David, in any games uh, that were never actually released? Uh, and if so, can you, is there any interesting sort of juicy titles you think could have been successful? Well, Steve and I, after Free Radical went under, Steve and I worked together for a while looking at Facebook stuff. Um, so this was, I guess, 2009, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Facebook at that point, um, it was, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, do you remember poking people on Facebook? Oh, super, yes. Super poke and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all, the, yeah, it was Facebook had this, was starting to become a gaming platform. And it's when Mafia Wars came out and all the Zynga stuff and things like that. And it was like the Wild West. You know, it was just absolutely bonkers. Um, and and Steve and I, with uh, some of the people working with it, but it was mostly us, um, made a, a thing that ended up being called it was going to be gangster pets and then it was zombie pets. And it was, it was kind of like, it was a clicker. It was a clicker, but you kind of clicked through little stories and it was a bit like mafia wars and you bought upgrades and stuff and things. And that. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think we made something quite good, yeah. but what we rapidly found out was that we were competing against Zynga and Zynga were, in california with facebook and um you know so we would have this thing our game would completely get broken because facebook would change some rules yeah you know they change the way it worked and our thing would just fall over <laughs> and steve would scramble to get it all working again but strangely the zynga stuff never broke <laughs> i wonder why <laughs> <laughs> you know so and, and and it was it was also it was interesting because we were trying to make something and we kind of had this goal that we would make something that was actually you know it had some fun about it yeah 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 um, but that was the beginning of microtransactions and mm-hmm. all of the horrible cancer oh, yeah. that became mm-hmm. um, so you know particularly the kind of grinding and unlocks and 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 also i mean i i don't i don't mind systems in games which you know buying stuff in games even if it's like microtransactions i think is okay if it is completely transparent about what you're getting yeah Yeah. you know that's 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 a fair proposition if you're honest about what you're selling people then they can choose to buy it or not yeah yeah but you know but it it looks now like legislation has finally started to put a nail on the coffin off it but all of the basically gambling and preying on vulnerable people that the games industry has gone through in the last kind of five years so is just obscene it's great all right great Oh, yeah, so we, we did some stuff on Facebook, and we did. I think we did some stuff which was quite fun. You can't look at it because it required it ran on Facebook as Facebook was then. It's mm. all gone now. Um, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. 
No, because so, all right, I've, uh, David, I've got to approach the elephant in the room. I've got to talk about Odd Job, <laughs> a very, <laughs> a very, very controversial character He's in the game of Goldeneye. <laughs> I mean, do you, pers- do you personally view him as almost a cheat character? Or are you happy that he's in the? Obviously, it's good that he's in the game per se, but a, a lot of people were very angry with how Odd Job could sort of duck bullets. <laughs> What's your personal opinion? My personal opinion is that I think it's brilliant that you put him in the game. Yeah. Um, so it's because even if it was only for the controversy that it ended up generating, <laughs> but but yeah, but, but you know, with with Gold Knight and the and yeah, with all the Time Splitters games, we we were always you know the the best experience of those games, and I think actually the best experience of gaming. Is is the kind of couch multiplayer thing? You know, oh, people yes. sitting, people sitting around, yeah, you know, watching the same screen, having a bit of fun, <laughs> and, and 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 at that thing, it's like, well, you know, if somebody wants to, if somebody wants to be the character which has got some <laughs> unfair advantage, then you know what, you do it because you are going to get such stick about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, it's, it's funny because uh, the, the, the other night in, in, in Norwich, um, one of, there, was a, there, was a, there was a pub there had just randomly yeah. randomly organised a Gold Knight tournament. You know, it, was a very, it was a very small thing. You know, there yeah. was only about a dozen people there. And I, I teach, teach, teach in Norwich. So, so I'd got, I'd, we, we went along. And a guy, George, who I work with, we were playing it. And, he, you know, we, we joined in the tournament. <laughs> yeah. and he, he picked our job. And I was like, <laughs> George, seriously? That's what you're gonna do. You're, yeah. It's a, no, no, it's he's there for the picking. I said, well, you know, it's like <laughs> the raft you get. <laughs> it's, just, it's just. Do you really? Is is that the crutch that you need? You need yeah. that crutch, do you? Okay. Well, it's okay. I thought I thought I thought you knew how to play. You know. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna name and shame my friend Dave Kumar. He used to. <laughs> He used to, David, I'm not even joking, same name as you, obviously, but he used to, no, he used to watch my screen. He used to watch where I was, and he'd sh- he'd use my screen more than his own screen. <laughs> That's a skill. Screen, screen peeking is such a skill. Oh, I know. Yeah, so David, if you're listening, mate. <laughs> uh, look, Dave, before we finish the interview, I've got a few sort of quick fire Twitter <laughs> questions we've got. Is that okay? Um, you're a gentleman so this is not my words but it says how does it feel to have your likeness shot blown up and chopped over and over again <laughs> i think he's referring to your character your 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 um your, your picture in, in obviously goldeneye used as a scientist i believe it feels brilliant because the thing that happens <laughs> is i meet people and yeah. they find that i went in goldeneye and you know that i'm dr doke and yeah. they say you know i'm so sorry i'm shot <laughs> so many times and i get to be the guy that says that's okay i forgive yeah. you it doesn't matter i, I would have done the same myself <laughs> i mean your how did you get in the game was every person making gold in the game was it just you every, every everyone everyone on the team's in the game there's oh, actually there's a cheat where you can um there's a long code you type in and people's first names come up uh, on, the, on the selection screen and i ended up in that because we were always trying to make up um things you know there's a lot of key objectives in goldmine um you know it's pick up this to be able to get through here and dr doke is basically a key it's a fancy key you know it's it's just an npc who gives you the door decoder but it's the key um 
so it was a scientist and you know i think the first time i did it yeah I, because i worked in biochemistry because i was a scientist i forced it to have my head as a joke <laughs> and, then, and then and then put my name in completely expecting that it would get taken out yeah and the stampers saw it and said well you, that needs to get changed because we don't have people's names in the games mm. so it got taken out and then i think as i the best of my recollection it was martin who put it back in so he was cross with being told to take something out yeah yeah, yeah. so we put it back in again but we put it back in quite late in the day so uh. it was like you know it, it was well that needs to come out but, yeah, but, but we can't take it out now because it will mean making new roms and doing all kinds of stuff and things so yeah it ended yeah. And, and you know it's a, it's a brilliant thing because it's kind of you know it's, it's it's kind of ended up being my persona i mean that's why i'm on twitter and stuff and things yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. it's great it's great <laughs> i mean i wonder how many times you've been shot <laughs> i mean that's if it gets- well, well the obvious thing to do is to shoot him isn't it it's like you know yeah, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah if you're in a first person shooter game the only way you can meaningfully interact with people is to shoot them oh, of course yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> just seems fair because the gas plant's going to blow up anyway isn't it so you've you got to look at it that way he's either going to die from nerve gas or you can shoot him oh i, I do feel sorry for your character <laughs> i mean that's kind... yeah that's a great easter egg i've got another question here was there any other easter eggs hidden in the game we've spoken about a few already but was there any others you we ever mentioned i don't think there was any I, there's not some deep stuff in there i think when people there are a few um multiplayer maps which were kind of just half made that ended up on the wrong and i know that with kind of game sharp and stuff you could game sharp that sounds like something from the 1950s <laughs> <laughs> you tell the people kids today what game shark and they just look at you <laughs> um yeah so you could you know you, you could actually some of those maps you could play um like and a good example is the cradle Mm-hmm. uh from the last level that used to we, we we trialed that as a multiplayer map and it was quite fun to play on mm. but it ran at about four frames per second <laughs> so, so it didn't go good didn't go that's good. a great level by the way i remember that very well um how about this is a crazy question i'm sure it's not true but i'm going to chuck it out there was there any was there ever any any plans to use the game boy eye peripheral i think the little camera you stuck on the game boy to be able to scan your own face and map it to a character for multiplayer yes for, for, for perfect dark there was oh oh wow okay you got yeah. me there <laughs> yeah no, no we wanted to do that so there was there was an incredibly low res kind of like 8-bit grayscale camera for the game boy yeah. and we wanted to yeah that was like that'd be brilliant it was thing you know because we because we everyone on the team, I mean, again it's that thing everyone on the team had had the fun of having their heads in the game yeah. Yeah. thinking well you know that's an obvious thing for people to want to do at home yeah and and it didn't happen for two reasons one reason is that if you let people draw something they will draw cock <laughs> yep that's you know time to, pe- <laughs> time to penis. That's the TTP. That's the test of any kind of authoring software. Uh, you know. and, yeah. the, and and the other thing is that it was you know the, the great tragedy that was the Columbine um, killings. Oh 
Yes. I think that was kind of about that time. And it was like, well, you know what? You could, you know, you can twist these things anyway. So yeah. all you need to do is say, well, actually, you know, someone could scan their schoolmates and they could practice killing them in a game. So, you know, that's so Nintendo said no. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, first point was funny, the second point is actually quite serious. So, no, you're yeah. right, David, it does, it makes sense, actually. Well, yeah. Although, you know, uh, but, you know, in reference to my earlier, you know, the earlier question, it's like, it, I, I've i not come to any harm from being shot repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> you survived, you're still talking to me now, David. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, time splitters, uh, what are your favourite characters in the series? Have you got, like, a top three favourite characters in the well, game? That's- really hard because I, I, I every time I look at time splitters I just fall in love with a number of the characters I, 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 I've got a massive soft spot for Corporal Hart who was mm. the kind of sidekick who got killed in, in, in time splitters 2 um, and then I think because Future Perfect developed oh no okay here's another one another character who wasn't developed in Future Perfect is Viola who's the kind of harlequin right. skin kind of she's got a kind of jester hat with little tinkling bells on it she's oh a, yes not, yeah, not yeah. damn protagonist really like viola and then if i'm allowed to squeeze two together kind of um harry tipper and captain ash just because of the banter in in in, in future perfect they, they both have amazing banter there you and go. now i'm thinking now i'm thinking i want joe beth casey as well I love, I love them all. <laughs> no, good, good answer. Um, a bit of a random question. I, I might twist a little bit. It says, how many games do you play a month and what sort of games do you play? You mentioned Fortnite earlier. Do you play a lot of games still today? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's insane because you just, you know, when, when I was little, you were always looking for new games. You know, it was like you you, you played to death the games you had and you'd be looking for new games. Yeah. And now it's it's, with games now, I'm in the same situation I am with books. It's like I, my house is full of books I haven't read, and my yeah. Steam account is full of games I haven't played. <laughs> yep. And my Switch is full of games I haven't played. I mean, I, I, I do, yeah. You know, I, 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 I buy a lot of games, um, and I kind of, I feel quite strongly that if a game is something that I, I like, I should try to pay for it in some way. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I've recently got back into looking at shooters again because I, I had written Fortnite off and then I played it a bit and I found it to be a very enjoyable social thing. Mm. It's a way of a way of keeping in touch with people. Yeah. Um, you know, even if we're just playing Fortnite as an excuse for having a chat. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're running around shooting, playing. I don't know. Playing. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I get that completely. It's like almost Golden Eye esque, isn't it? Just yeah, makes yeah, a, a laugh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I probably get most fun out of uh, quirky indie stuff. So yep. I mean, that thing, Celeste, I really enjoyed the other year. Baba is you. Um, what's that? Rimworld? Is that Rimworld? Is that thing on oh, the Outer Wilds? Outer, yeah, the Outer Wilds. That thing. I, I just, I mean, this the it's incredible we're so spoiled now yeah you know, it's like at the moment everyone's everyone's thinking what, what we've got to do if i've got to stay indoors for two weeks or a month because of coronavirus i know what i'll be doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i completely agree <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, what was the last game you played that really blew you away? Was there a game you played over the last few years that thought, wow, this actually is I unbelievable? Played, uh, Outer Wilds, the thing with the kind of um, 20, minute, 20, 20 minute cycle with you flying around this little solar system solving this mystery. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's Outer Worlds, because it, it's one of those things, there's two games came out at the same time. There's Outer Worlds, which I think is the kind of um, official successor to Fallout, because it's the it's it's the Fallout yeah. 3, Fallout, yeah. Um, but Outer Wilds was, it's it, it's just, it's it's charming. Uh, and, yeah. and it's got some, it's, it's just a really interesting take on it's a bit like if you think about you know it's like majora's mask or something it's got oh. a time loop and you're and you're caught in this time loop if you've not played it play it it's pretty i i love majora's mask uh out of wild yeah out of wilds yeah i'll make a note of that i'm going to check that out thank you david definitely good um just before we go is there any last minute tips or not last minute tips any tips you give people <laughs> to uh who, who are thinking maybe get into the gaming industry um i think you know the the tools nowadays. I mean, particularly Unreal Engine and um, Unity are fantastic, and there's a load of you know there's a load of easily available online tutorial stuff which will help you to make things. I mean, if if if, if art stuff is your thing, then things like Blender are, are brilliant. Mm. Um, what I would say to anyone who's thinking about doing it is just try making some stuff but if you're making stuff make something simple finish it finishing finishing things is really important you yeah. know yeah. set yourself a goal you know put a couple of months or something whatever spare time into something but have a goal to finish it and even if you haven't finished it say well i'm going to close that and move on to do another thing because you know I, I i do some teaching and that's one of the biggest things is trying to you know don't and, and and also don't often making something which is the kind of game that you'd like to play is yeah. is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, because you bring so much baggage. You know, you're you're yeah. compa- always comparing yourself to your idols, and so you, you end up you end up setting yourself a uncompletable task. Mm. But you know, just making little things, or you know, recreating old games, just as a, as as a you know. You know, do a little bit of apprenticeship on the whole thing, you know. Um, but the tools, the tools now are amazing. You know, yeah, obviously, you know, for a bunch of this stuff, you know, you obviously need to have a decent PC. Yes. Um, but you're not going to be spending money on software. And then things like, you know, I, 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 I played a bit with Dreams, the the um, the Media Molecule thing that's come out the other week. And, you know, that's, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a PS4, maybe you don't have a PC. That's a good thing to tinker around with. You know, yeah. tinker around with making stuff. Um, and and also, you know, if you're making stuff, try to, I mean, just view the making of the thing as being the reward. Mm. You know, because trying tying stuff into, you know, it's like, I think it's hard to. I mean, I even know people who are experienced gamers people and they find it hard to make money in terms of, you know, doing indie stuff and things because there's just so many people doing it. Yeah. But, you know, maybe just do it as a hobby. You know, it's yeah. 
good hobby. <laughs> there are worse hobbies. <laughs> Definitely. There are worse hobbies, yeah. <laughs> oh, David, you've been a real legend today. I've really... I generally enjoyed this interview. I think it's been so interesting and funny and fun. Just, I love it so much. I've got one final question. I'm going to finish on a bit of a silly question. Yeah. Um, if you could share a few drinks with any video game character, any character, it could be a game outside that you've made, of course, who would you choose and why? I was thinking about this earlier. Tom, Tom Nook. <laughs> from, from Animal Crossing, if anyone from Animal Crossing. I'd, oh, like to, I, yeah. I'd like to try and get inside Tom Nook's head. <laughs> And, and I think maybe getting him pissed would be the way to get there. <laughs> uh, are you a fan of Animal Crossing? I think it's amazing. It's good. And Doom Eternal and the new Animal Crossing that are coming out <laughs> the same day, aren't they? Have you know, if you realise this, how absolutely incredible. <laughs> well, there's also I saw a thing the other day which is a crossover bid, and it was Master Chief showing Isabel how to shoot a, shoot a shotgun. I know. Google it. It's really funny. He's there, oh. and she's there, and she's got this shotgun. <laughs> And he's, it's beautifully animated. And he's reaching down. He's helping her to hold the end of it up to, you know, to, to get it all balanced because it's heavy. And then she shoots it and it kicks back and knocks her off screen. And he shakes his head. And then you kind of hear her fuffling around off screen. And she comes running on, just shotgunning like crazy. <laughs> She's got the taste for it. And I think, actually, that, you know, I think that, I think it's so lovely yeah. that those two fan bases because because that's something about gaming which i think is one uh, a fundamental thing about gaming computer gaming video gaming is i think generally it's a very friendly and inclusive community yeah and when you see things like that that crossover it's like that's showing that both of those fan bases respect each other and there's a, and there's there's a touchstone between them so yeah it's a love lovely thing but tom nook is a bastard isn't he <laughs> he's worse than any doom character isn't he <laughs> what's he on you know I he's know. there and, and, he's, and he's raising he's raising the kids to just go on and do the same thing <laughs> i know tom and is it Rossetti as well he's a grumpy bastard isn't he as well, yeah. to be fair. well I, I think i think they toned him down i think Rossetti's because he Rossetti used to be quite nasty yes uh, he did actually yeah, he's he's turned down. But yeah, Tom Nook, I, I just love it. It's funny. I'm I'm looking on my desk. I've actually I'm I'm not a massive Animal Crossing fan. Yeah. But there's just something about it. And I've got on my desk. I've got a Tom Nook amiibo, and I've got KK Slider as well. And KK Slider is the dude. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but yeah, oh David, mate, that's a great answer. That's probably one of the best. We often get Lara Croft. I'm not going to lie. When I ask guests, they say Lara Croft. I I'd rather have a drink with uh, Tom Nook. I'm with you. <laughs> Tom, Tom Nook, you know that you'd be watching the sun come up with a bottle of whiskey, wouldn't you? Oh, yes. There's, there's, there's depth there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David, honestly, brilliant interview. Really enjoyed it. I, I appreciate your time today. It's been such a great interview. So thank you so much. No worries. Thank you, David. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at ArcadeAttackUK, at KeithBarlow82, and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ArcadeAttackUK. Please check out our website at ArcadeAttack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes. 
where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.